Hey, it's Tim Patterson. This is Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. We're looking at uh, September 21st. Uh, tomorrow, of course, will be the first day of fall in the Northern Hemisphere of 2020. Yes, one more season to go. <laughs> well, I guess we get winter in late December, but you know. Hey, um, have you subscribed to my newsletter? We, we've been doing this for like years, literally years and years and years. comes out every Monday afternoon. Although that sometimes has changed. It used to be Tuesday morning. But yeah, Monday afternoon, middle of the afternoon, uh, we release the newsletter. And so I'd invite you to go grab it. Um, it's a quick read. It has a number of things that we have done at the Trade Show Guy blog, as well as some of the newer things we've added on, as well as some hearkening back to old things. So I've got this blog, Trade Show Guy blog, that's been around for, uh, well, I think we're in the 11th year. So yes, in late November, it'll start year number 12, which means there's like about 1,100, 1,200 articles in there. So I'm trying to get more readers to some of the older articles, uh, even though Google uh, attracts a few uh, when people search for things. You know, one of the sections of the newsletter, for instance, is, you know, what what you might have missed uh, on the blog. Some, you know, kind of kind of some old blog posts that are still worth a look. Another thing in the newsletter is a section that I've just started here in the last month or two called What I'm Reading. And I kind of got the idea from another newsletter I'm not even sure who it was, but it said, uh, here's what I'm reading lately. And I thought, well, that's kind of fun because I read all sorts of newsletters and articles and that relate to business and some maybe not uh, business specifically to event or trade show or conferences related. But, uh, you know, I share a couple of things in the, the article. You can easily subscribe. Just go to tradeshowguyblog.com. Uh, and you can find it by clicking the little navigation button at the top that says contact me. And there's a little, uh, drop down arrow that goes down to subscription. And, and I think there's a pop-up window as well. You'll probably get invited to, uh, uh, you know, subscribe and get a free download or something like that, but it's easy enough to get on. And if it's not your cup of tea and you know, it's easy to get off. That's kind of the way that works. Hey, going to move right into this week's, um, interview. Uh, the topic is virtual exhibits. And the guest is Kevin Carty, Executive Vice President of Classic Exhibits. I've had Kevin on a, a couple of times this year, maybe more than a couple of times. But I think it's a good resource, and especially when it came to this particular topic, virtual exhibits you know, are getting a lot of attention these days with shows stopped or put off or exhibitors going, yeah, I don't know that I really want to go, but I still want to have some sort of presence. So a lot of show organizers, of course, are figuring out how to incorporate uh, virtual exhibits and virtual shows, CES, Consumer Electronics Show, is going all virtual in January. Other shows later in the year, next year, may do the same. So virtual exhibits are kind of a thing. So uh, I talked with Kevin about how they're designed, how they're used, how they're valued, and so much more. You know, they've done 3D exhibit design at Classic forever. And it's not a big jump, I don't think, t- to go into virtual exhibit design with walkthroughs and links and things like that. But I wanted to find out from his perspective how that worked, as well as his take on, you know, how they're approaching and how exhibitors might also think about virtual exhibits. And here is how that conversation went. We got Kevin Carty from uh, Classic Exhibits here on Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. This is like your third or fourth time this year. You're like you're like the regular now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> how are you, great. Kevin? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm I'm doing good. This is kind of a crazy world we're living in, and it seems to be ramping up. And I wish it would be going the other way. But I I, I wanted to talk to you uh, specifically about virtual exhibits. I know you guys have moved into that space, and there's a couple of angles that we can look at. Um, I get questions about it though from some clients, and and there's just a lot that is not really known because a lot of 
a lot of, uh, you know, like NAB went uh, virtual this year, maybe Expo West next year, CES in January. There's a lot of big shows that are going virtual. And so what does that mean? So I guess my first question would be from, from your perspective as exhibit designers, what did it take to get into be uh, doing virtual exhibit design? And, and how did you guys work your way through that? Um, you know, the interesting part here is, is, is virtual has been around for a long time. Um, right. I think as an industry, we've always kind of said, um, you know, uh, you know, come here, come here, come here, oh, get away, get away, get away. Cause people feel as if it's, you know, threatening a little bit, um, uh, the face to face, but, um, we can address why I think the two actually coexist, um, will coexist very well when we get past all this. But, um, so we've dabbled in it for some time now. Um, uh, the, the nice part is, is that we have an amazing creative team that's already doing this day in and day out. Um, and so we jumped in feet first, um, vetted some, uh, some different softwares and landed on, on one that we could really customize and make our own um, that we felt was um, intuitive uh, for end users, but also um, gave us the capabilities that we, that, that, that we wanted to do, but we were forced into it, to be honest with you, even though yeah. we played around with it for a while, it was live, you know, live events are gone obviously for a while. And, and um, we had people call and saying, my customers go into an event and what the show's presenting to them as an opportunity is not very good. They want something better. So can you do it? And so I give Katina and, and her entire creative team and Zach, and Kim, just a tremendous amount of credit because they put their heads down and basically immerse themselves in this for about three weeks to just get up to speed um, on being able to do it. And it's been good. Yeah, I bet uh, because I've seen a couple of the samples you guys have done. It's on the exhibit design search and uh, I'm sure more and more will come down. Uh, and we've talked, I've talked with you uh, and, and some of your team about doing some customized things for some clients and we're still working our way through that. But, you know, I think a lot of the questions, frankly, come from the exhibitor and I've, I've gotten interesting questions and people, uh, exhibitors that have looked at this or are, weren't even aware of it like six months ago are now going, do we need to do this? How does this happen? What kind of questions should we ask? And, you know, I can, I popped up with like a couple of hundred questions that, that come to mind. So from an exhibitor standpoint, how does that play out? What, how do they determine, I guess, first of all, to find someone that's a good fit for them? What kind of things do you think they should be looking at? Um, uh, gosh, I, I'm going to go back to the, the, the basics of, of if they're vetting companies to create a good virtual experience for them, it's going to come down to, um, I think, the design team first and foremost, and what kind of questions that design team asks. And um, if... Uh, there's some companies out there that are, are um, they can really turn and flip these things really, really quickly, but they may not necessarily meet all the, all the needs where we've, where we've gotten really good feedback. And again, all credit to our design team is um, they, they want to be in the brand and they want to understand the brand and they want to, um, they ask a lot of questions. And I think it's a little bit daunting sometimes for the end users who are on these calls with our distributor and our design team because the designers are like, you know, well, what are you going to do to actually drive, you know, towards that goal that you have for this event? Um, and then they're, they're thinking in the back of their heads, how can we make this design work in such a way that um, we can hopefully check off all of their, their wish lists on how they want it to look, but more importantly, how they can develop ROI because 
that's one of the biggest questions that end users have in this is, is how do you determine ROI? Because it's so new. Mm -hmm. um, here's the thing, and, and if I can be so bold to say it this way, is creating the ROI out of the event is no different than it was in a face-to-face. -face. You still have to be willing to do the right type of pre-show marketing and drive people to your space. And I would actually argue even more so now because right, if you've seen what some of the virtual platforms look like for the actual event itself, not the exhibit, but the event itself, um, they've done a great job. So no, no, not casting any shade there, um, but you're clicking on a show floor that is essentially a list of categories and you've got to be able to know and find your way through to find that person unless someone has told you specifically in pre-show marketing and done a good job of maybe showing you know, what the exhibit's gonna look like, what you're gonna cover, and oh, by the way, we're gonna be at 1463A. Um, and maybe even create links that kind of drive people um, directly there. So um, it really is not all entirely different than face-to-face. -face. I think you just have to put even heavier emphasis on, on certain things. I think the pre-show marketing is, is a good thing to look at. You got to make sure people show up. And I guess the other question that comes up is, well, if, if the company were, or the, the organization we're going to the show at has, has hosted this, can we design something that's separate and still have people land there through that platform? And from what I'm hearing, that's, that's a yes. Uh, is it a qualified yes? Are shows different? Uh, or is it's it a, pretty much a, you can put a link in there? No, no, no. It's a, it's a, it's a yes. It kind of depends on, on how, the, the, the company developed in the 3D exhibit um, develops it, what their deliverable looks like. Biggest probably challenge is um, there's kind of two ways that these are done. Um, and there's, there's, there's one that's developing this, this three-dimensional exhibit and it's, it's developing a, a unique API that then has to integrate with the show's API, the show event platform's API. Um, that's not impossible and yes, it can work. Some show organizers though, um, and it is a little bit of a shape casting here is some, some show organizers though have um, not been um, willing to necessarily let an outside exhibit created in that way be utilized. Um, so they're offering their three, four, five options that, that um, an exhibitor can do. But my, uh, my, my challenge to people here is, is think again from the physical world. You never went to a show organizer and asked them to, to design your exhibit. So when you go to an event and in the virtual space, they've done a great job creating what the virtual uh, 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 venue looks like and, and how the virtual event is going to function, but they have not done a great job in creating the virtual exhibits. Companies like ourselves, instead of going that API route where you're, you're having to, to worry about that, that those things um, conjoining well, um, one of the reasons we chose the platform that we we're on that we could customize to, to make it work well for us um, is you can it's a it's a link that you're delivering to somebody and um, a finished link and then that's something that can be updated easily um, but now you're going to the show organizer and the show organizer is giving you three or four different options to choose from you might actually choose option one or two which costs a little bit less because they involve they, they allow you to put um, links to your corporate website on there and you can embed this as one of those links right. and the beauty is is you never leave the event platform that link is opening up within the event platform so it's no threat then to the, the, the show organizers last little thing I want to say on that is to an end user find a way to put a positive spin on this to your show organizer um, and what I mean by that is is if you you know tell them you're going to create backlinks 
to the show, post-show, um, that you're going to brand for the show, um, even on your exhibit for that event, so that, you know, I get it. They don't want people bouncing in and out of the event. And so the product we're providing and some other people are providing keeps them in the event, which is good. Um, but it also gives them a much prettier option than what the shows are providing. It's it just interesting. There's so many different things swirling around in my head from, from the exhibitor standpoint. So I guess another one would be, uh, how do you place a value on it and how do you communicate that value to the company that's going to invest in a virtual exhibit? Obviously you're not building anything physical, but there's time and effort, there's labor and there's renderings and, and creating the content, whether it's video, whether they provide it or so. So there's, there's a lot of the same things that go into it. It's just, you don't actually stand in a 3d space. So how do you communicate that value and how do you put a number on that? And numbers purely uh, 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 driven by number of hours. That's really it. So it's design time um, and programming time. Uh, what we've done internally here, and I think some other companies have started to do as well, which is is to really uh, train our existing project managing management staff that was used to taking a, a rendered exhibit and breaking it all apart and putting the parts and pieces orders to the floor for people to build. Um, now they're taking the beautifully rendered um, exhibit that's in a three-dimensional rendering and they're putting in all of the different hotspots and, and doing all that sort of stuff. So it's it's just time. That's where the labor exists is, is in time. So it isn't hard to put a value on it, quite honestly, um, uh, uh, it, when we think of it um, that way. Um, the little caveat that I like to throw on there, a positive uh, hook, I guess I would, I would put it as, is, is Everything that we're designing though, the great part is, is when a live show comes back, if they've created some real great brand recognition with this, and maybe they're not even using it at all on show floors, they're using it for their own private company events as well, um, it could be built down the road as well so that they don't have to lose that. And that's the other thing to, to mention, Tim, when you're talking to end users or for end users who are watching this, keep in mind this is something you can take with you. Right. It's not left on the show platform. You can take this from event to event to event to event because it's a link. And if they've already got something you've designed or they have a 3D rendering of a design that, that was built in that, then they can probably easier to, to, to translate that to a virtual exhibit so you can navigate around that than Very if you start so. from scratch. Is that is that a valid assumption? Very much so. So if we've already got the design assets and and um, and we've, we've created that, it is, it's an easier transition. There's the rendering time in this, in uh, in creating these, is so much more than a <laughs> traditional rendering because you're 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 doing 360 degree panoramic renderings of every aspect of the booth. Where even on an island render, you may have these different views and whatnot that let you see the whole booth, but it doesn't let you see it from five steps in and then eight steps to the left and two steps to 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 your front. So. Um, there's a lot more rendering time. Interesting. A couple more things. I'm I'm I'm, I'm curious about where uh, that they would ask. Where is this hosted? Uh, are they signing a contract for a length of time for this? What kind of uh, things do you look at when people ask those questions? Yeah, good questions. Um, uh, and and there's a myriad of different answers to, <laughs> to answer that. Um, uh, number one, when it when it when when it comes down to hosting, um, you really kind of have three options. Uh, you know, a, a, a company like ourselves could host it. A company like yourself could host it, um, uh, or the end user could host it. Um, the one thing that I would emphasize on, and a little bit of a pro for an end user hosting it, or a company like yourself, is 
if you if you've got Google Web Analytics um, uh, built into your existing website where you can study traffic and see how people go, um, that can be a real tool. Uh, aside from 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 what you're getting from the show or or learning from engaging with people in the event, is if it's hosted on an end user's website. You're going to be able to apply some analytics to that and actually see where you know how many people came in and how long they were in the virtual experience, um, uh, and 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 so I kind of think that 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 end users hosting it or their exhibit house hosting it maybe providing that analytic as a service, kind of like we do storage and you know in and out services for for folks. To do that analytics as a service to to a customer um, is is the way to go. I think that's important because you can see from show to show if you compare the numbers, we did better at this show. We got more people, and you can see what hotspots on the exhibit people are going to, and which things like they no one watched that video, but they came over here and did this chat thing or whatever. The information sure, what, what did they got. download the most? Yeah. You know what right. what brochures were downloaded the most? What videos were watched the most? Who got the most engagement as far as um, you know Zoom meetings um, that were being held within there? So there's a lot of things that they can do. Well, there's there's so much that uh, we're going to learn as we go through this, and uh, I'm just kind of curious to see how this unfolds over the next six months, a year, and once we get back to real shows and and uh, in person. I still think virtual exhibits will be a part of that. I'm not sure how that's going to play out, but uh, they're not going away. They're here to stay. And uh, from my perspective and talking to some clients, they're curious about it. They're asking the questions. And I think those are good questions to ask. So Kevin, I appreciate you. You do. I want to say one last thing. Yeah. I think Tim that they are going to stick around. And the reason that they will is if you can create a cohesive brand experience for those who attend the live event, as well as those that aren't able to uh, to attend it, that's one big win. The other part is, is this becomes a tool that they can use for channel sales meetings, for shareholder meetings, for one-off presentations that they want to give to a particular company that they may have seen at a show. That now they're taking them to the virtual portion of their of their booth. They're like, ah, oh, I remember walking that booth, you know, when we were there, whatever. So. I agree. I think they're here to stay for a while. And, and I can see where if you have your virtual exhibit and you've got a, a show that, you know, 1,500 people came through your booth in person that day, but you had, you know, 7,000 in the, the show because you did some live stuff there and you had guests or whatever, okay. uh, they could work together really well. So Absolutely. Yeah. Kevin, thanks a lot. I really appreciate your uh, time and, and uh, we'll keep, keep our eye on this particular topic. Thanks again. Yeah. Thanks as always, Tim. All right. Thanks again to Kevin of classic exhibits and sharing his insight into virtual exhibits. Like I said, uh, towards the end, I think we could actually talk about the topic for an hour or two and kind of just really, really get into it. Maybe that's worth doing someday. I don't know. Uh, last uh, thing before I go, this week's one good thing, I have to say, the rain in Oregon. It rained like crazy on, uh, I think, Thursday night, although it was kind of weird because at 2.30 in the morning, um, you know, there was about a half an hour electrical storm, lots of flashes and thunder, but it was pouring rain, and I know the firefighters in Oregon uh, needed it badly. So, uh, yes, rain in Oregon, it's a good thing. Have yourself a great week. Let's do this again next week here on Trade Show Guy. Monday morning coffee. Find us at tradeshowguy.net. <laughs>